Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Techno Wizard. <laughs> it is Thursday, March 9th, 12, no, I'm sorry, 1.30 p.m. 2023. And uh, last episode was a bit short, a bit rushed, but I'm going to leave it. I'm going to just, I just, I just went ahead and published it. Cause I listened back and I was like, oh, I more or less got the got the point across. <laughs> I'll probably revisit it another time um, when I sit down and start making like scripted videos, because I think that will help to better better uh, formulate these ideas. But I wanted to uh, do another episode today since I you know had some time. Um, took time today to just really uh, catch up on some of the various projects and ideas I have going on floating in my head. So let's see what I can. <laughs> What I get into today, um, some ideas that has been floating around so far is every, everything from some uh, you know better ideas around XR interfaces, um, which I've talked about before. Also, um, better ideas of, of how to view money, um, which I've also talked about. But I recently read a, a really uh, yeah I'm gonna say a really good article, but there were still some some things that I very much disagreed with i'm not sure if i'll talk about that maybe i don't know um also things i've been learning about uh direct democracy we're reading this book um intimate direct democracy by uh shoot terrible <laughs> i forgot his name double <laughs> kadili i think his name is um but uh that one that one's pretty great talking about fort mose and the uh, Great Dismal Swamps, I believe it's called. Uh, been thinking about... Um, what else I was thinking about? Oh, yeah. So I was listening to some great podcasts from Team Human, talking about solo punk and micro punk and um, just ideas around, you know, building better futures, thinking about better futures, which I, I think I probably will... I probably, I probably will start there. I think that will be a good place to place to start <laughs> um thinking about conflict resolution and community settings and this that and the other so yeah a lot of things and i haven't really organized most of it so this this episode is going to be especially uh messy probably <laughs> i don't know um yeah i guess i feel like there's some other things but yeah we'll start with those so um I was listening to some, once again, Team Human by Douglas Rushkoff, and um, he was interviewing some folks. Um, again, I don't remember their names. So one dude, his name was Alex. I remember that because I just sound, signed up for their website, um, Solo Punk uh, Short Stories, I believe, or something like that. Um, but he's writing a Solo Punk short story about a detective, <laughs> um, a crime mystery detective, um, or like murder mystery detective set in the in the future like 2050s or something like that but it's a solo punk world and i really love this because if you recall <laughs> I, I i i like to talk about how just because we build a better future doesn't mean it's going to be a perfect future right like i've talked about before like i like to focus on new problems that i think will crop up in these in these better futures right um that will still be super important and super critical to 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 figuring it out but they will be different sorts of problems than what we have today 
However, I haven't, and I haven't read his stories yet, so I can't say. I have no idea what, <laughs> how the actual story reads. But from what he was talking about, um, he he wanted to tell a story of like a murder mystery, but set in this like uh, solo punk future where they have like twenty one hour work work weeks, and um, um, like it's a eco. He lives in an eco village and all this other stuff. Like <laughs> you know, kind of idyllic setting, but there's still murder, right? because people are going to people like like <laughs> it could be a crime of passion or or people coming from other parts of the world that aren't as you know um you know advanced <laughs> in that way yet or something like that um so he he's taking a different view on on what I would personally take like I do think even in my own ideal future yeah there'll still be you know, bad things that happen, like simple, like <laughs> simple bad stuff too. Not not just big problems, but like, you know, murder or cheating or, you know, um, people fighting this, that, and the other, right? But it would just be less, <laughs> right? It would be less common because even if you go back into history, if you look at, you know, many of the inspirations for my own, um, from our own uh, ideas of the future, you know, talking about egalitarian hunter-gatherer cultures and foraging and all this other stuff, they still had crime, right? And I want to—I don't want to use the word crime because that's very uh, state-based, but they still had, you know, violence, um, particularly, you know, uncalled-for violence, like unconsensual violence. And by, and by that, I mean, you know, there's a difference between consensual violence, which is like warfare between in two different. Um, um, communities that like said they yeah so we're going to engage in war because we have a disagreement and we want to figure it out versus non-consensual violence um, such as I'm going to kill this person because I don't like them or something like that right <laughs> um, and that's probably something I could talk about too like I think that's something that not that nobody has really discussed um, I'm sure well I'm sure somebody has discussed it somewhere but I haven't really seen anything about it but I do think it's a really really important aspect of of human psychology and and human society is the fact that we can have consensual violence versus non-consensual violence um like not all violence is bad but anyways like even in those times right where there were egalitarian cultures every almost everywhere there were still people who who got murdered right there were still people um there were still instances of sexual assault or things that this that and the other but it was just less so. It was very rare, at least as so far as we can tell in the archaeological record. We don't see like anywhere near the same percentage of this types of these types of violence and 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 um, things happening like we have in our current society, right? So even though they were struggling with, like this is why the the whole idea of oh time was brutish. And, and short or whatever is is not actually scientific right it doesn't it doesn't stand up to the data what we actually see is that um it was it was definitely hard in some ways but not necessarily harder <laughs> than what we have today right and i know that's that's hard for people to hear because they didn't have like medicine so if you got sick you know it was game over but not really, right? Because even then, like, like they did have some medicine. Maybe it wasn't as effective, right? But we do have plenty of proof where people were able to practice surgery, right? We actually have found archaeological data where people did surgery uh, for everything from amputation to, um, um, like, move, removing things from, 
from people's guts and things like that. Like it's it's crazy. Like people have have known how to do these things. They just didn't have the tool to do it super well, right? So again, <laughs> it's kind of propaganda to say that these like 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 life back then was terrible. <laughs> um, we definitely have some advantages today, but it's really not as much as people make it out to be. But anyways, um. <laughs> So I said all over the place. Getting back to the matter at hand. So yeah, this Alex dude, um, making short stories of, of like, kind of practical, grounded, solo punk kind of worlds, right? Um, and I really like that. So I'm probably gonna you know share some more of my ideas here, and also talk about how, um, like it's it's really amazing how people have a. Uh, this dude singing <laughs> um but yeah people have had goodness now I lost my track of a thought I don't know what I was gonna say there but <laughs> um yeah <laughs> appreciate you that dude funny um yeah so <laughs> Oh gosh, I don't know if you heard all that. Probably. Um So yeah, like people are are in this far future where I know what he said that that time, but um Yeah, people are set in this in this idea of the future. Like kind of Okay, let me back up a second. So last episode I was talking about how people have this idea of a linear future. Right, where you can have this one set kind of future, and we're trying to change course or whatever. It's understandable why people view things that way, but that's not really how reality works. At least, as not as far as we can tell, or at least rather, we don't have any evidence to suggest that this is actually how <laughs> reality works. Right? There's a lot of really interesting ideas and theories of what the future might look like and specifically the very concept of the future there could be many features or there could be one or there could be none or whatever but a lot of people kind of assume by default that we have one set future and we're trying to either achieve it or change courses because we don't like what that future holds but Oh, and, and what that allows for, what that creates is for people to make assumptions about what the future is and to try to think that they can control that future. So you see everything from techno-utopian people that are like, oh, we're going to have you know, flying cars and spaceships and things like that. And I enjoy a lot of that, <laughs> right? But it's not necessarily true, right? It's not It's not necessarily where we're going to go or going to end up. It's, it's completely unclear how, we, how we'd even get there, especially from here. Um, on the same token, you have people who believe in like automating everything like uh, robots and AI is going to change the world and make everything uh, way more productive with way less human labor so people don't have to work anymore you could just have leisure and luxury all the time and this that and the other 
excuse me, but even that ideology doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because if you look at where we are today, you start to see that the onset of AI and robotics and things like that doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to have more free time <laughs> because unfortunately under a capitalistic system, right? If you don't have, if you're not the one that owns those AI and robots, which most of us will not uh, simply because the, the very fact that these AI and robots take a, 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 an enormous amount of energy and resources to even create and maintain so even like having a chance of creating these things is not really in the in the cars for most people. But if you don't own these things, then you're not going to have any power. You're not going to have any resources. You're not going to have any access to the to the benefits of these things beyond what these privatized organizations will allow you to have. And of course, you already know they want to make a profit, so they're not going to just give you stuff um, just for the heck of it. Even if it's free, it's going to come at the cost of your attention, of your sovereignty, of your agency, of your, you know, your, your, your choice, your, or at least your illusion of choice. To the point where, similar to today where we have YouTube and it seems like you can have access to anything on the internet through YouTube or Google and it's all free. But we all know that it's incredibly difficult to actually find really good, like, positive ethical content. And even calling it content is itself problematic. And it's starting to rain, so I'm going to have to head back home. Um, but I'll try to... Uh, I'll continue it even when I get home. I just hope I make it there. <laughs> but anyways, um, so yeah, like... Even if you have, even if they release this stuff for free, which they most likely won't after a while, because like what you see with ChatGPT, you start having, you're gonna need a subscription service or some other like more immediate, more highly, uh, or the only reason they would release it for free is if they find some other means of making profit. And nine times at 99 times out of 10, that other means of making profit is going to be manipulating people. <laughs> you know, it's gonna be making people. Uh, the new source of, of, of exportation or rather an, an even better source of exportation we have to realize that the reason why Google and YouTube are free is not just because you are the product it's because you are the oil field right they're literally drilling into your psychology <laughs> right so those people who say oh yeah I don't care about my data I don't use it anyways yes you do <laughs> you use your choice your illusion of choice right you use your your opinions, your emotions, your <laughs> the way you look at the world, all of that is being extracted by these companies that are using your quote unquote data. Right? By data they mean what your what they or not even what your actual, you know, likes are, but you know, what your actual opinions and all the other stuff are, but what they can fit you into, what box they can put you into in order to become a consumer, somebody that that buys things right somebody that clicks on things and looks at ads and things like that so they can sell yet more products that mean nothing <laughs> right so next time people next time you hear yourself or somebody else saying oh i don't care about my data right right what, what does that matter 
tell them it's it's their life <laughs> right it's everything that you want to do or think you you're doing is is essentially being controlled manipulated extracted for profit and 99 times it's really not really with your consent right just because you use a service and click the box that says you know i accepted the terms of service doesn't actually mean you consented to all this being happened all this being done to you right because you don't actually know what you're signing into and like i said in the last episode it's extreme they make it extremely difficult to actually read all these terms of services and understand what the hell you're signing up to trust me i've tried <laughs> i used to try and read through every single terms of service and privacy policy and things like that and it, it is it is ridiculous right it is ridiculous even for somebody like me to understand who has a who's who's had a job where they created contracts for licensing right like i understand a little bit about <laughs> legalese and things like that and even for me it's it's kind of difficult it's quite difficult but anyways um <laughs> got way up track once again um so better futures right what I really like about the idea of Solopunk is that it focuses on how to build a better future. It says, yes, there's something wrong with, with, with the world that it is today. But instead of focusing on the doomerism, like cyberpunk, right? Instead of focusing on the bad things that can happen and, and maybe, you know, how you can rough it out <laughs> in one of these bad futures. Instead, it imagines what a better future could look like, even with all the problems and, and, and situations that we're dealing with today. It imagines, hey, even if things go wrong, here's how we can adapt. It imagines even if some things are going wrong, we can still make a difference, right? We can still change things a little bit. We can still shift things so that it doesn't go horribly wrong. Right, so there are different types of, or like as I think I think Alex said, one of these folks on Team Human, he was they were saying um there were different flavors of solo punk. Some of them focus on the more low tech stuff, low tech solutions, like just being able to kind of patch up things or you know DIY things and things like that. See what you can make without much much uh without high consumptions of energy and things like that which is definitely super awesome but there also can be high tech kind of solar punk right uh the imagination of re renewable using renewable energies like solar and, and wind to to have an electrified grid and all this other stuff um and then they, they can also be like a kind of fantasy tent to it with a lunar punk, lunar punk, you know, kind of, oh, magic is real type of type of uh, magic realism type of scenario. And then this micropunk is, is using the idea of mushrooms and mycelium. Right? What can we learn from mycelium? Like that was a really interesting conversation. I love that one, too. You know, I love my, my uh, trees and mycelium. <laughs> but what really excites me about all this is something they said about how about how a lot of climate change activism and things like that have failed because they were too focused on 
the bad things, on the fear. Right? They were too focused on it, all the <laughs> the terrible stuff that can happen in our future. And a lot of that stuff is is real, right? It's viable. Like it makes sense why people are focusing on that because it's 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 true. But as they stated, or as and as research shows, oh, excuse me, my my nose, this pollen is getting to me. Um, as research shows and that they stated, the uh, it's people are less effective, or people respond less, I should say, respond less to fear-based motivation, specifically for problems or situations that are so big and nebulous that it's not actually clear what you can do to fix the situation, right? Fear-based motivation works best if it's a clear and immediate threat, right? Like if you're on the train tracks and the train is coming, clearly you need to just get off (laughs) off that train, Right? You don't have to imagine a better future where you're not on that train in order to get motivated. No, you just know, okay, that's the danger. Let me get out the way. Same thing for self-defense or for um, you know any number of clear and immediate threats. You know you just have to get out the way or stop the threat. But when it comes to something like climate change, what's the clear and immediate threat? Right? It's, it's, it's very big. It's very nebulous. It's very not clear. Right? Like we know pollution is one part of it And coal and, and, and oil And all this other stuff But it's also like How it affects it and when it affects it And when it's coming and who is doing it And how, where, all these things right Like I talk about it all the time And it's really hard to put your finger on Exactly what that threat is Because it's not so simple It's a, it's a confluence of, of a whole bunch of things That have come together over generations so we can't just try to scare people into into making a difference, into making a change. That's has that has shown to be this is a reason why a lot of people kind of just check out. You can say, oh, they just don't care, or oh, they just you know feel powerless or whatever. But you have to ask why. <laughs> we do know that on a local level, people do care, right? If you show them, hey. There's a lot of trash right here in your neighborhood. People are going to be like, oh, we should move that trash. Somebody needs to pick it up or we need to figure out how to, how to get that trash out of the way. This is why things like, and this is going off script a little bit, off script in terms of like, they didn't really talk about this in the podcast, but I think this is, um, this might be related. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think this is related. I think this is why populism is so popular, Right. And by populism, I mean um, folks like Trump and some areas like even even Andrew Yang kind of falls into this where a lot of people are voting for this person despite their actual politics. Right. Despite what they think this person is, is going for. Right. They follow this person, not necessarily because they think this person can, you know, um, solve all the problems, but because this person is, is has some rhetoric has some language that makes things simple, right? That makes things sound simple and clear, right? With Trump, it's, it's you know, uh, make America great again, right? It's, it's, it was better back then. So let's make it back, let's make, let's make it like it was back then, right? Build a wall, <laughs> right? These are very simple messages 
that makes the 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 threat very clear that makes the you know action very clear but not really right like we we know at least those of us that have more critical thought realize that that's not actually going to solve the problem and if anything is going to create more problems precisely because back then wasn't actually all that great especially not for you know the vast majority of people who who didn't fall into um you know the white male <laughs> kind of uh category so and I, I the reason why I put Andrew Yang in this kind of bucket as well is because he also had a simplified message of like not left not right center right <laughs> UBI right um and I I too was one I was like oh yeah this sounds pretty good but not really because how are you going to implement that UBI like where all this money is going to come from and he seems to have some ideas for that but the reality is that like the incentives of <laughs> these corporations and governments and all this other stuff is very much against that right so trying to push for that kind of ignores like the vast complexity of politics in the in the in, in the in the in that field so it's very dangerous to kind of try to simplify these these large complex problems into you know very simple politics or something like that right to very clear and straightforward politics because often often times and not like it's it's not so clear and it's not so easy to do so what's more effective and what you can simplify is the local level is the small things that you can do in your physical in your like immediate community in the area in which you live in all right to make a a better difference you can simplify that because to some extent it is far simpler because it's far less people there's far less you know uh varying varying i ain't gonna say differences because in a lot of places it is very diverse but there's far less uh I should say extremist um, difficulty or extreme extremist kind of what's the word I want to use here like the people like the differences there might be a lot of diversity but those differences aren't necessarily on, on opposite extremes because people still live together right like even if you live in a city with a lot of people a lot of those people still share the idea that cities are pretty good <laughs> and that we should make our city better right versus if you're trying to um you know do a national level kind of polit- political change type of thing you're going to have people who live in the country who are like cities are terrible they're stupid they're ugly they're you know packed with a bunch of people all this other stuff don't who cares about cities all the resources to come over here to the country right and <laughs> on, the, on the other token you have people in the cities like oh countries are terrible you know a bunch of small town hillbillies and all this other stuff they don't know nothing you know <laughs> blah, blah 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 all the resources come to the city right and, and this is itself is a simplification obviously but the point here is that when you work on a, on a smaller local level more local level then you can deal with problems on a smaller level of course right and because of that th- these problems are are necessarily less complex less complicated it just comes down to understanding who is living in your area and what they care about and how you can you know um 
help them out, right? How you can achieve their needs or their goals, their desires, while also helping your own. And it's usually easier to do that in a local environment than it is a larger one. And again, this is, if you listen to my stuff for a long time, you'll see that this is such a big change for me because I'm always like big system, big picture, big systems, and all this other stuff. But what I've learned over the years is that the best big systems are those that work locally. And they, they can just kind of clip together. They can, to use the word from the podcast, they can scaffold together to form something bigger. Right? Imagine like Lego pieces. You can have, if you want to big a big Lego set, you can't just have, uh, you can't just throw a bunch of Lego pieces together and just expect to, to make it work. You have to start small. You have to be like, okay, this is the, you know, foundation part, or this is the, this building, this is this vehicle, right? You have to figure out how the clips fit together, how the pieces fit together. And then you have to figure out how those pieces fit together with bigger pieces, how to maintain the structural integrity. You know, I'm going all the way back into my Lego days. <laughs> but the point here is that when you want to build something big, unfortunately, you can't start big. You have to start small. And this is so freaking hard for me to say <laughs> because I love starting big. Right? I love big ideas. I feel like that's where I function best is thinking about these big ideas. But I had to necessarily get better at thinking small. Particularly, how I like to think is, is thinking big but then working backwards so how it can start small. And I'm, I'm not there yet, but I'm getting better and better, I feel. Um, and maybe you can attest to that as, as if you've been listening to this for the last couple of years. <laughs> um, maybe you can say whether or not that's true anyways this is raining even more so maybe get to the house i i stopped under that tree because i love that tree over there but anyways um i even <laughs> i forgot where i even started all this but i think it was yeah solar punk features so going back to all that it's more effective to inspire people towards a better future by showing them what better futures can look like, right? By giving them ideas to what kind of future they can live in. And in that way, people will be more inspired to build towards that, to change the world, to to be like, okay, I don't I don't actually want to sit back and just watch things happen because I want to live in that world, right? I want to live there. And it's important to make it more realistic and practical because things like like people today don't really think we can live in a Star Trek type of world anymore, right? And yes, that's sad, but it's also very understandable because now we realize how far that is and how difficult that is. We have to realize that in the 60s and 70s or whatever, when Star Trek came out, people didn't really understand how big space was, right? And this is not to say that they were dumb or anything like that. No, it's because we didn't have the tools to understand. Like, uh, uh, what people, people don't realize today is that even the idea of galaxies is fairly new. It's like only like a hundred years old, if that, right? In the start of the century, of the, of the 20th century, people thought that when you look into the, 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 the sky, those stars you see are just like, you know, all that there is. There's a few stars, whatever, right? 
But then we got better with the telescopes and we were like, oh, snap. All of those dots of lights, many of those are fucking galaxies. <laughs> our galaxies are huge conglomerations of, of millions, if not billions of star systems. With the, with each they each have their own planets and things like that. So like the universe is far far bigger than what we ever thought, right? And then they started to realize, oh, the amount of time it would actually take to get anywhere in space is astronomical. Like just to get to the closest star system, will take it takes light itself, the fastest thing in the universe, four years to get there. If I'm not mistaken, right? I think it's four light years away. Um, but it would take us, with our current technology, thousands of years to get there. Like, we don't even have technology that will get there within within 100 years, right? It would take several, like 17,000 years for Voyager 1, right? The, the satellite that we sent out there to get to the closest star system. Think about that. <laughs> so we started to realize, hey, Star Trek isn't really realistic. Maybe one day, if we get better with all this stuff, all this technology stuff, like replicator is another one. We started to realize how fucking hard a replicator is. A freaking um, holodeck is another one. Yes, we have VR, but it's nothing like a holodeck. Even a tricorder, right? We're still not really there yet. We can't just beat somebody and just know everything that's wrong with them. Like <laughs> it's it's extremely difficult. And so, of course, people are not gonna be inspired by that. At least not so much that they want to build towards that, because it will take thousands of years to get there at least on our current path maybe it will take hundreds maybe it will take decades but we have no idea for all intents and purposes we will never get there or it will take so long that it doesn't even like we, we might die before like human humanity might go extinct before then right and that's another part of the problem because we, we many people do realize the amount of problems that we have today so much so that many people think it's irresponsible to have kids and that is deeply worrying right there that shows you that people do know, do realize that this current path we, we were on is not good. It's not sustainable, right? People don't really have hope for the future. And so you can't just give them these super far-fetching ideas and like, yeah, go, go, let's, let's do that. You have to give them something practical, right? You have to re reimagine the current world they live in just a little bit better. So they can be like, oh, wait, that... I know what that is. That's a streetcar, but that that looks cool, right? Or or that's a that's a a, a supermarket, but it looks more local, right? I, I like I can I can pinpoint who lives in that supermarket. Like it's not some owned by some big corporation, right? Oh oh, they have fresh food, right? Because the, their lawns are not just green grass that I have to uh, that this takes a lot of money and time to upkeep. It's it's freaking food that I can eat. Like oh okay, I understand that, right? Like. <laughs> It's these simple things that make a difference, that, that people can see and understand to be realistic, to be achievable. These are smart goals, essentially, right? Specific, measurable, actionable, uh, was it reachable? <laughs> or rele rele relevant and timely, right? So we have to do the same thing for our futures, for imagining better futures. And this is a big reason why I want to build, you know, this this kind of my own channel. I share ideas of, of better futures. Oh, excuse me, because I definitely think that's that's what's needed today. 
And I started that a little bit through this podcast, but I want to get way, way better with it. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I've been procrastinating because um, I wanted to create visual, I wanted to create visual depictions of this via a tool like Shape6R, but I, I really hate Shape6R now. Like, <laughs> they just, what they did just put me off so bad. So I'm trying to see if I should learn it. Well, I definitely want to learn another tool, but it's going to take a little bit of time. And maybe I just need to get out my 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 head about it and just do it anyways. But um, yeah, that's another reason why I was so excited about all these solo punk, lunar punk, micro punk um, folks because it shows that many people are thinking about this, and I, I already knew that people were, but it just didn't seem to the level that I would want it to be. Like a lot of these um, solo punk futures are like stories. Which are cool, don't get me wrong, but I want to see worlds. Like, and this is another thing that excited me about the podcast because uh, uh, Douglas, um, Douglas, and his uh, team human, he was talking about how maybe a better format for solo punk worlds will be an interactive medium. And to me, I instantly went to like games and and just virtual worlds, right? Because I, I agree. Like, don't get me wrong, stories are great. And a lot of our best fictions and things like that came through these, uh, or a lot of our best imagination of the future today came from these stories, came from um, stories that people wrote and eventually turned into shows and things like that. But I think in today's time, people are so used to interacting with their media, right? Whether it's through, you know, um, watching a YouTube video or TikTok, uh, streaming and commenting and or doing a reaction to it or something like that, right? Remixing it and turning it into your own thing. Or if it's through playing a video game, of course. Um, or even this idea of like NFTs and things like that. Like I think a, lo- a big part of that excitement comes from the idea that you can be more, that you can interact more with your world, with your content, with, your, with the stuff that's out there. We like to interact with things. We like to touch things and, and be a part of things and participate. And we, many of us today are looking for a way to belong, right? A, a community to belong, a world to belong in. Our world has been extremely isolating these days. And so having that interactive medium allows you to feel like you're in a community again. So yeah, I, I do think building virtual worlds that people can explore interact and remix is extremely potent and extremely important to do (sighs) I could probably go on about like the other stuff they talked about but I think I just suggest you go look at it you know go go listen to the the team human podcast Um, probably gonna end it there though because this is exciting me to get get back working on my own stuff. Like, I like talking about it, but I really want to build it. I really want to build it. Um, I've been playing some Valheim recently, and that's also been... The, <laughs> I still don't know. Is it Valheim or Valheim? I don't know. But I've been playing more of that recently, and I've gotten me that, that has gotten me even more kind of eager to build things. Because for some reason, like, building that game just feels so good and, and looks so good. Even though it's such a low poly game, but the, like the lighting and stuff like that, and just the like the type of buildings you can do, I don't know. It just 
I really like building in there. So I might, maybe I might even start just building Valheim <laughs> some some solo punk uh, Valheim worlds or something like that um, as a starting point, and then go from there. I don't know. But either way, I do think it's really important to 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 show people what these better worlds can look like, and um, yeah. So I get yeah, I think I might end it there. I know I have I'll have a bunch of other stuff that that will come to mind as I close this and get back to my computer, but hopefully I'll be able to do some more, be able to talk to some more tomorrow morning. I'll, I'll write some ideas down so I don't forget them. <laughs> but yeah, um, as always, thanks for listening, thanks for watching. Let me know what your thoughts are on these on these things. Let me know. What you like to work on? What worlds would you want to live in? Would you want to see visualized? And uh, keep being awesome. Don't be afraid to be rad- radical. Don't be afraid to be revolutionary. And uh, have a great day. See you. Bye bye.